look forward to your lesson. So we'll turn it over to you. I've, I've, some of y'all know I'm, I'm working on a uh, kind of reading through the Bible, uh, a thing called the Grand Sweep. And we're, uh, I'm sending out these little uh, videos each week and kind of going through that. So I find myself uh, just kind of really spending a lot of time uh, in that as, as we go forward. So we're uh, finishing Chronicles, uh, sort of in that time frame. And so reading through this again, um, a couple of things kind of uh, caught my eye uh, that, I, that I thought would be uh, fun to share. Um, and so uh, I want to share this with you uh, as you look at, really, I want to go back to uh, 2 Samuel. Uh, 2 Samuel, a little bit of 1 Kings, and then Second uh, or First Chronicle. So uh, in Second Samuel and a little bit of First Kings, you have the story of David, and then in First Chronicles you have the story of David. Um, and so some of y'all know that uh, the story of David and Solomon and the kings is is told in again Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. And then a lot of what's in First and Second Kings is retold in First and Second Chronicles, um, and so it's a lot of the same material. Even you can find some chapters in uh, Chronicles that are just cut and pasted from uh, Kings uh, and just sort of lifted over. So it's um, most of y'all have been around long enough to know that there are a variety of sources that came together to put the Bible together, and so. Uh, some of these stories uh, come from different places and at different times uh, to make this story. Uh, what's, what's fun for me uh, is just looking at the way David is portrayed in Samuel, especially, and First Chronicles. It's different. Um, and so one of the things I appreciate about the Bible is that you don't just get one version of a story of a history of a people. You get a variety of versions of that. You get good and bad. We hear things about David that we kind of wish we could unhear. Uh, and you get stories of David that uh, make him out to be, gosh, just the most incredible person that ever lived. Um, in the Bible, you have these stories of human failure and human success, and good things and bad things. And I think the point of that is that we don't worship you and me. We don't worship our king or our president or uh, our pastor. We worship God. If we worshiped our pastor or king or senators or leaders, we just get disappointed over and over. Uh, which we get tempted to follow certain people, and we do get disappointed. But God, over and over, wants us to follow God, not a, a, a human being. And so I appreciate the richness, the diversity, the stories. It doesn't make me believe less. It actually makes me believe more because it helps me center my focus on God and not uh, another human being. And so one of the fascinating things about especially 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles is the way that David is portrayed. And so maybe the best modern uh, illustration of that is Fox News. And Just think how uh, former President Trump was portrayed by those two different media outlets. Uh, you rarely heard anything positive about former President Trump on CNN. 
And even with some of the mess ups of his presidency, you found Fox oftentimes tripping over itself, trying to explain uh, something President Trump did uh, in, a, in a way that, that made it seem better. And so, uh, and so the temptation would be to think that, well, that's a modern uh, construct. Well, but it's when we look at some of these passages, you find that this was going on in David's time too. And the, the, the struggle is just a little quick background. The struggle is that when Jerusalem falls uh, to the Babylonians and then the Assyrians and then the Persians, uh, the northern and southern kingdoms, uh, and then are being rebuilt under Nehemiah and Ezra, there is a giant struggle for what the new kingdom is going to look like. Is it going to be conservative? Is it going to be liberal? Is it going to be middle of the road? Who's going to be in charge? And how do they claim their authority? And so during that time of Ezra and Nehemiah, as the temple is rebuilt and everything's kind of coming back together, this is just uh, three, four hundred years before Jesus is on the scene. Uh, all of that time is a struggle and a battle over Israel's purity or Israel's uh, sort of... Uh, modern, uh, diverse, cosmopolitan look. And there's a battle between leaders, people, priests, uh, lay folks, as to what this new Jerusalem is going to look like. And it's a fierce battle. And so in order to make their case, some people have to attack David and Solomon to paint them as evil, bad people. And the cause of the Babylonians' successful uh, overthrow of Jerusalem. How, how on earth could Yahweh God be uh, destroyed, or the people of Yahweh God, how could that happen? Uh, because God's always protected folks. There has to be a scapegoat, there has to be a reason, and so folks pointed to David and Solomon for some of the excesses of the kingdom and kind of creating a domino effect of the successive kings. Other folks uh, wanted to preserve David's legacy um, because it's through David's legacy that uh, Jesus. And so I just want to uh, kind of walk through this a little bit. Uh, most of y'all studied the Bible. Probably all of this is, is familiar, but it's fun to kind of put it side by side and just look. Uh, and also just to look at some of the language uh, that, that you have. And so I want to start with the story of Bathsheba, uh, Nathan, and David. You know that story. David looks out over the uh, rooftop, sees Bathsheba, and con constructs this uh, uh, crazy way of uh, finding his way uh, to her. And so in, um, in uh, first... Uh, in first or second Samuel chapter 11 and 12 is the story of David and Bathsheba and then Nathan coming to say, what have you done? Uh, but it, it starts in first uh, Samuel 11 chapter one, where it has a great line. It says in the spring of the year, when kings go to war. <laughs> so when you think about that, uh, in the spring of the year, the winter has thawed. Uh, the ground, the climate is, is conducive 
uh, to, to Babylon. But it's just interesting that that was a given. We're going to go to war. That's just what we do. Um, we're, there's a restlessness kind of behind that. We've got to go out and conquer more lands or uh, go after the folks who said something bad about our mama. And, um, and so it says in the spring of the year when kings go to war, um, this uh, event happened. But then it says something telling. Again, in, in chapter two, verse two of chapter 11, it says, but David stayed in Jerusalem. So here's the king in the spring of the year when the kings go to war and David stays behind. So again, just kind of creates in your mind, okay, so he's longing to be on the battlefront, but he's not, he's bored. He's got to find something to do. And then the whole rest of chapter 11, we'll talk about Bathsheba and, and then sending Uriah to the front and then Nathan confront. Okay. So that's uh, in, in second Samuel in first Chronicles chapter 20, verse one, it says in the spring of the year, when Kings go to war, but then it doesn't say a word about Bathsheba and Nathan and Uriah. It does say something confusing, though. It says that David stayed behind, but then two verses later, it has David in a battle, and then in the fifth verse, it says, then as David and the army returned to Jerusalem. So it's, it's just a little confusing. It's, it's recognizing that there's something that's supposed to be there, but we're editing it out, and so how, how are we going to portray uh, that story? Um, and so that's 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 First Samuel or Second Samuel, uh, chapter eleven and twelve, and then in Second um, Samuel chapter thirteen through nine is what's that six six chapter six chapter it tells the story of of Absalom and Anon and Tamar, which is a horrible story of Anon, the son of David, uh, uh, raping the uh, Absalom, who's another son of David's daughter or, or sister, and then trying to cover it up. And then Absalom goes to David to say, what the heck? What are you going to do? And David goes, yeah, well, I'm busy over here. And he doesn't do anything, which infuriates Absalom to the point that Absalom kills Anon uh, because he's so mad and David won't do anything. And then Absalom uh, uh, gathers an army around him and he uh, tries a coup of sorts uh, to overthrow David, again, because he's so mad at his dad for what he didn't do. Um, and then David's army kills Absalom, and then David goes into mourning. This is chapter 2 Samuel 13 through 19. It's a terrible story of just uh, family dynamics that are just out of control. I mean, just completely out of control. Uh, and again, as you read through there, there's some verses that just are so telling. Um, in... Um, in chapter 13, as it begins to tell this story, uh, it talks about Anon having this infatuation with Tamar. He loves her. He just thinks she's the most wonderful thing in the world. He lures her into this trap. Uh, and then uh, after it's over, uh, he there's a verse that says that Anon uh, 
after looking at himself and Tamar after this deed is done, that his hatred with which he hated her is greater than the love with which he loved. And it's just, uh, it's just interesting the way the language and everything tells this story. But when you get to Chronicles, there's no mention of that at all. There's no mention of this story. There's no mention of all of the mess. There's no mention of that. Now, in Samuel, you have the story of David and Goliath. You have some rich, wonderful stories uh, that also are not in Chronicles, but it, it, it's almost as if some of these things are edited out uh, in order to, uh, uh, to help us get uh, a better uh, light of uh, David's uh, kingdom. Um, to kind of point that out, in Chronicles chapter 14, verses 8 through 17, there's a story of David going to war. And before he goes to war, he asks God, is this the right thing to do? Um, and you'll remember back in Samuel, when David is chosen as the new king or anointed by uh, the prophet, it's, it's his heart. Uh, God says that he doesn't look upon the stature of a person, but he looks at their heart. And so that's one of the things that's been enduring about David all of these years is that he has a heart for God. Even when he messes up, he has this great love and uh, desire to please God. Well, that's brought out in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. David's going to war. He asked God for direction and advice. Um, back in uh, 1 Chronicles 10, verse 14, at the end of Saul's life, there's a really telling statement that's there. Uh, and as you look through 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, most of the struggle that the kings have is that they just go off on their own. Uh, they get prideful, they get caught up in their own grandeur, and they just do what they want. They don't seek God's direction or guidance. They only run to God when things all fall apart, and they ask God to dig them out of the hole they got into. But they got into the hole they got into because they didn't ask God's direction and guidance at the beginning. And so Chronicles is lifting up that David did that. He did that over and over. Everywhere he went, everything he did, he sought God's wisdom and guidance first. And then when God said, do this, he did it. And so back in 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse uh, 14, it's talking about uh, Samuel, kind of the end of his life. And it says this, Saul did not seek guidance from God. So it, it's helping us understand that that's what God wants. God wants us to allow God to be God uh, in our lives that, that's played out over and over. Uh, oftentimes we get prideful. We think we know everything. We think we know best. We do things on our own without seeking God. We say, God, I got this. I'll do this. I don't need your help. And then we run off and do something. And then when it turns into a mess, we run to God and I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I made a mess. I didn't do, I didn't ask you, uh, help me figure out how to get out of this. Well, the, the writer of Chronicles is helping us understand that uh, David didn't do that, that David did seek God's direction. First Kings chapters one and two talk about the transition from David's reign to Solomon's, um, the transition of, of power. In First uh, Chronicles chapter 23, we find the same transition story. 
but actually in first chronicles chapter 23 is the transition story verse <laughs> it's that solomon was anointed king and we just move on it's it's as if that was a given everybody knew there was no struggle david is king david dies solomon becomes king. all in one verse in first kings uh chapters one and two uh there's a a different story um there is a uh there's in first kings chapter one and two uh, adonijah and joab who's a prophet uh conspire to actually just start functioning as the king joab comes to adonijah and he says here's what you do have this feast uh, have a big party anoint yourself as king david said you were the king uh david evidently had a little trouble telling some of his sons that they would be king uh when he died uh and so when he got old and sick uh, uh they just started acting on that well then and this is interesting this is fascinating to me the the one who hears about this is nathan now if you remember nathan is the prophet who confronts david about his affair with bathsheba and killing uriah you remember that story well it's nathan now that is a friend of bathsheba i just think that's fascinating that over the years nathan and bathsheba become allies friends uh, i mean there's no other way to take it because nathan comes to bathsheba and he said and he says look what adenijah and joab are doing you need to go to David and remind him that he said that your son, Solomon, Solomon was the son of Bathsheba. That may be something that he didn't know. Uh, after all that happened with Bathsheba and Uriah, and that child died, um, Bathsheba and David have another child, Solomon. And so Nathan, Nathan goes to Bathsheba to say, you need to go see David to uh, advocate for Solomon uh, becoming the king. And, um, and so Bathsheba does, and then Nathan comes in as Bathsheba's talking to David. Uh, David says, you're right, I did say that. And so Solomon is anointed king, and David uh, says, let's have a parade. So they have a parade while Adonijah and Joab are down, uh, makes it sound like they're kind of in a basement, uh, kind of hatching how they're going to take a full reign of the kingdom. They hear the parade and the party outside. They run up to the streets and they see that Solomon has been anointed king and they go, oh no. <laughs> and so that again is in 1 Kings chapter 1 and chapter 2. In Chronicles chapter 23, it says, as David dies, Solomon. So it's, it's, it's uh, again, it's just, uh, you know, a, just a, a little different way uh, of, of doing that. Um, in, um, in 1 Chronicles 22, uh, David is beginning to decline in health. He has anointed uh, Solomon is king. In fact, Chronicles records David anointing Solomon as king two or three. Um, and so, because um, uh, I just told you in First Chronicles 23, it says there's a smooth transition. But if you go back a chapter, chapter 22, uh, uh, it says that Solomon is king already before he's. Uh, 
And there's the whole discussion of David helping Solomon build the temple. Now, if you, uh, again, if you know your Old Testament history, Solomon built the temple, David didn't. David was banned, he wanted to, uh, according to the records, build the temple, but he was not allowed to build the temple because of some of the stuff that he had done. Uh, kind of like Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land um, because of some of the stuff that he had done. And so it's uh, Joshua that takes it. Again, I think it has more to do with God being God and not us. Uh, we don't want to put too much fame and uh, uh, legacy around a human being. We want us, we want it to be about God and not about people. But the fascinating thing is in First Chronicles chapter 22, David's hand and stamp is all over the temple. He organizes the people. He orders the uh, materials. Uh, in fact, there's a, uh, uh, a great verse um, that in First Chronicles 22 verse 5, Solomon is young and he's inexperienced. And so he needs help to build the temple. And so the, the, the writer of Chronicles as you go through there, makes it look like David spent a lot of time, and then Solomon was just the figurehead uh, that stood before the, the temple as it was finished and cut the rib. But if you go back uh, to 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 3, it says that David could not build the temple because of what he'd done. That verse is not in Chronicles. Um, and uh, and then chapter 5, verse 5 of uh, 1 Kings, uh, Solomon says that I will build the temple. And then the whole rest of the temple building is Solomon did this, Solomon did this, Solomon did this. When you get to Chronicles, um, chapter 22 and 3 and 4 and 5, and or yeah, uh, you find that David's hand is still all over the temple. And so, um, again, uh, Part of this is about preserving a legacy and telling the story um, for uh, uh, whatever uh, ends that, that people had. And um, uh, the, last, the last thing I want to share with you is uh, the census. Uh, some of y'all are aware that David did a census and God was not happy with the census. Uh, uh, it, and and I've, I don't know, maybe some of y'all could, could help. I've never really understood quite why that was so bad. Um, it, it was about counting people, which uh, kind of inflates our ego, maybe. Um, but um, the, the counting people, I don't know, is inherently bad. I mean, we, we count Sunday school attendance, we count worship attendance, uh, we do all that. On, so I've, I've never quite really understood why God wasn't happy, um, but, it, but he wasn't. And so in what? Questions. Uh, yeah, maybe the questions. Um, yeah, the real intent for what they were after. So in, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, uh, is is the census that that is recorded there, and then in First Chronicles chapter twenty one. And so it, again, it's interesting in how this is portrayed. In um, in verse one of chapter twenty four of Second Samuel, it says that God says to to do this census, which 
again is a little confusing. In First Chronicles chapter 21, it says that Satan incites David to do this. I find that fascinating. Again, if you're trying to preserve somebody's legacy, it wasn't David's fault. Satan, the devil made me do it. Um, it, it, it takes it out of David's hands altogether, doesn't it? And so um, uh, in verse three of both chapters, Joab, uh, who is a uh, part military leader, part uh, like Nathan prophet, seer, uh, questions, why are we going to do this? Um, uh, and, 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 and seems to indicate that it's, it's not all that good uh, of an idea, but David goes ahead and does it anyway. Uh, interesting, the counting. So in verse 9 of 2 Samuel 24, uh, uh, again, this is before Israel and Judah uh, split the northern and southern kingdom of Israel, uh, but they still counted it that way. Uh, and so in Israel, which is the larger landmass of the two kingdoms, uh, but Judah, the, the southern, the smaller is where Bethlehem and uh, some of uh, Jesus's more travels are. Uh, Israel is, uh, by the time Jesus arrives, is the uh, sort of pagan Israel stepbrother, you know, just not good. It's where Samaria is and uh, all of those things. So, but anyway, in Israel, you have 800,000 people. And in Judah, you have 500,000. So that's how, what the census discovered. In First Chronicles, chapter 21, verse 5, it says that Israel had a million one hundred thousand people, and Judah had four hundred and seventy thousand. But we, in Chronicles, we didn't count two of the tribes, so that's a huge difference. That means there's more than a million one hundred thousand. Uh, we didn't count all the people, um, and so again, that's just interesting. The uh, the counting that that's different. Then in uh, first uh, in Second Samuel twenty four. Again, remember, God ordered the census to be taken, but in verse 10, David laments that he did it. He's sorry that he did it. In um, 1 Chronicles chapter 21, Satan incites David to doing the census, and in verse 7, it's God who laments that it was. So it, again, it's it's just interesting how this is, is talked about. Uh, at the end of both of those chapters, there's a whole story around um, buying a, a, a piece of land. Um, and um, in Samuel, they paid 50 shekels of silver. Um, and in um, Chronicles, 600 shekel gold. I don't know my Old Testament history well enough. I don't know, was silver more valuable than gold or gold more valuable than silver? I don't know what the rate of exchange was back then. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I just found that's that's part of the reading that I've been doing lately, and, and these things just sort of popped up as, as I looked at it. And so again, for me, I, I, I know that folks struggle in the Methodist church. We uh, uh, we struggle sometimes back and forth with the inerrancy of the Bible or the uh, inspired word of God, and which is it, and how do we know? And 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 some folks really struggle if if there's a difference, you know, if there's a period out of line, or how can it say one thing over here? Well, we'll just have to throw the whole thing out. 
Well, that's never been the case. I think the diversity, especially the, the, the way the Bible was put together, the story it's trying to tell, for me, makes it more believable uh, because you see in it uh, the, the inner workings of people like you and me. Uh, you see a, a diversity of voice uh, where God is not just holding on to one voice. Not only one person is right, but there's a different version because of where I am, how I grew up. Uh, I, I might hear God's voice in a different way, and that's okay. <laughs> and so for me, this is helpful to me. Uh, it actually gives more authenticity uh, as I look at the Bible because I see that it's coming from uh, a, a couple of places incorporating and allowing the story of different people to be heard and different voices to be heard. And I think that's one of the struggles in the church today. Uh, if we try to suppress a voice uh, in favor of another voice, we, we miss out, I think, on what God is, is trying to do and who God is. Um, and so um, I hope this is helpful. I think it's it's funny, it's interesting, it's helpful to me uh, in my faith. It's part of the word, ah, I keep doing that. It's part of the word of God that, that we celebrate. It's in there. Oh, we can't ignore it. Uh, we need to acknowledge it and talk about it. Uh, and so David's legacy, again, is something that was fought over. Is he a good guy or is he the cause of uh, some of the problems that we have? Uh, just like uh, people in our history, um, you know, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, who are helpful people, uh, and how do we remember and honor? Thank y'all for allowing me to be here. I'm going to scoot out. I've got to go help Tom with worship. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate that.